episode two is brought to you by Miss Abilene's Finishing School, dedicated to ending the shows you enjoy far too early and without ever providing you with a satisfying cook. <coughs> Monsoon Jackson, Series 2, Episode 2, Education. Space smells. A mixture of diesel fumes, gunpowder and barbecues. The smell of dying stars, or a particularly successful party. It depends on how you roll. Elijah looked idly out of the giant domed window facing Jupiter, the centerpiece of this living room and one of the reasons Elijah had moved in. The view was breathtaking, and once in a while, you'd still catch sight of the previous owners as their corpses floated past, their final moments trapped forever in the minor orbits these luxury homes created. The death of her mother, Lisa Tors, had triggered what any psychologist who wished to live would vaguely refer to as a significant change in personality. The happy-go-lucky Elijah Tors was dead. On the upside, she found a newfound freedom to express herself as she wished. Unencumbered by society's insistence of being allowed an opinion on any subject, regardless of how little they understood it. The new Elijah thought society could cram their opinions where the sun did not shine. Also, she looked damn fine in this dress, and the silk against her skin was just divine. She went back to admiring Jupiter and smiled at how she'd once been content to be kind and understanding. What an utter waste of effort that had turned out to be. Selfish was the new emotion of choice, and it felt good. For a moment, she was lost in this reverie a rare time when she was not planning and devoting herself to her new work, rebuilding the Tor's empire to even greater heights by any means necessary. The bell rang and Elijah looked down at her screen. Her guest had arrived. The term guest was a general term used to keep the invited person guessing as to whether this meeting was for good or bad news. Elijah had found everyone worked much harder to avoid any kind of personal invite when the outcome was unclear and, when they were summoned, would normally incriminate themselves by apologizing as an opening gambit. Quite frankly, a few people she thought were all right had confessed before she'd opened her mouth. This had saved her the whole tedious process of torturing them and their family later on. In her own way, she was grateful, which she took the time to explain before ejecting them out into space. She was creating quite the neighborhood. Councillor Bell's son, Donald, arrived with the pompous air of self-importance that someone who inherited wealth, yet has achieved nothing, always has. He went to sit down without invitation, but was rudely interrupted by one of Elijah's security detail. They grabbed him and kept him standing until Elijah nodded her approval. Donald wasn't used to this treatment, but was just bright enough to realize he was out of his comfort zone. 
For Donald, being out of his comfort zone was anything beyond watching his favorite news channel that he paid to only broadcast things he thought. So not much, really. Or it was eating fast food because he was unable to coordinate his tiny hands with a knife and fork. Anyway, eating with your hands was so great and much better than anything anyone else had ever done before. Donald sat for a while but was unable to stay still. He had to be groping or eating something. The doctor he'd paid to tell him what he wanted to hear had reassured him regular hand movements could help his fingers grow to adult size one day. Elijah watched him with a mixture of curiosity and loathing. It just wasn't right that this planet-sized moron had inherited the Bell fortune. They might both be in the business of manipulation, but at least Elijah had standards. Her victims were selected on need, not gender or race. Also, that wig looked ridiculous. Everyone knew Donald Bell was bald. Stupidly, as only Donald knew, he decided to start the conversation. How much to kill them? Elijah went from thoughts to actions. She waved at her security detail who reached over and slapped Donald hard across his face. Donald recoiled in horror and pain. This was not how he should be treated. It was fine for anyone else, but not him. He was a very special little boy, and everyone surely understood that. You can't! Without prompting, the security detail slapped Donald again, this time on the other side of his flabby face. The red welts rising made him look like he was about to cry. He was, but fortunately his diet prevented most of his body from working properly. His tear ducts were long since clogged with orange makeup residue. Despite everything, Donald's microscopic brain was still deciding speaking was a good idea. Just as his disgusting, jowly face began to wobble into forming words, Elijah put her fingers up to her lips and shushed him. Then she spoke. Stop talking and listen. Donald moved the fat around his neck, which almost acted as suspension for his head, and managed a small nod. You're talking about my ex-lover. I would advise you choose your words with care. You're only one bad remark away from an airlock. Is that clear? Donald's brain was desperate for him to say something, regardless of whether or not it made any sense, which it never did. However, as the guard loomed over him, hand at the ready, he just nodded again. He always got like this around the grown-ups. I don't want payment. Elijah sat back to give this time to process through Donald's thick, stupid head. After the rusty old cogs had somehow managed to move, a nasty smile spread across his face. Well, I think... The guard really hit him hard this time. Despite his bulk, he wobbled over and then slid to the floor. He tried, like a beached whale, to right himself. Stay there. Donald ignored this request, right up until the guard kicked him in the stomach. Hard. However, I will take a 51% controlling interest in your corporation. That is not negotiable. They are the terms I offer everyone. And so far, all those still alive have accepted. Of course, if you feel this is too much, you're welcome to join the others. Elijah made a wearisome gesture towards the windows as a number of lifeless bodies gently bounced up against them before drifting off. Yes or no? Donald nodded. The guard kicked him again for good measure and because, well, he just didn't like him. No one did. He dragged Donald off towards the airlock. 
Donald started to scream like the pathetic baby he was. At the last moment, the guard changed direction back to the door. He could smell that Donald had wet himself. He needed to leave before he damaged the luxury flooring. Elijah stood up to watch Donald's ridiculous gold spacecraft depart. It was an obese monstrosity, constructed without thought to purpose or aesthetics. A perfect match for its owner. For a moment, her hand hovered above the perimeter defense controls. Just one button, and she could watch the craft explode like confetti. No, not yet. He still had some use. But after that... What an idiot. Paying me to do something I'm already doing. Elijah's hand reluctantly drifted away from the console. She looked over at her security detail. It was a glistening pile of metal designed with only one purpose. To protect Elijah at all costs. It had also perfected a range of hot drinks, though Elijah was forced to move the nozzle on the grounds of decency. The security detail noted Elijah was staring at it. It selected a question mark display. Earlier models had used emojis, but what people thought they meant against how they'd been interpreted led to some awkward situations. Before that, animated human faces had been tried, but they were, well, they were just damn creepy. And talking was out. Others talking annoyed Elijah. It gave them the opportunity to prove how stupid they were. Before that, it was just conjecture. Elijah closed her eyes and mentally ran through the options. Clean, messy, subtle, blatant, drawn out, torture, mercy. So many options. She opened her eyes. Get me Sicario. The security detail displayed a tick and made contact with Sicario's secretary. It had long been understood that if you looked like a business and acted like a business, people assumed you were a business. Even contract killing had adopted this approach, knowing that no one would be stupid enough to follow up on tax demands. And anyway, the secretary was only a highly sophisticated encrypted messaging device. Hitmen were, after all, not interested in pensions, healthcare and holidays given their choice of career. While a few died of natural causes after a retirement filled with luxury and pleasure, most would end up dead at a young age. Fortunately, this made for a keen market and the ability to demand large payments, which in turn led to inquiries about killing them off before they could collect. And thus the circle of death was complete, and contract prices kept rising. Perfect capitalism. A message came back, announcing that Sicario was interested and quoted an obscene price. Half up front. This was relayed to Elijah's implant, who simply waved back. The security detail confirmed that that was acceptable. An untraceable crypto account, an actual one, not like the traceable ones from years ago, came back and the money was transferred. That was it. Elijah had made her decision. Sicario was writing his autobiography. He'd entitled it his non-dark materials as a working title which amused him, but now it had stuck and he was beginning to hate it. In the past few years, public interest in killers for hire had grown into a hugely profitable market. 
It seemed, within minutes, the merchandise had arrived. People were happily wearing t-shirts adorned with graphically rendered, though tastefully stylized, slit throats, or with statements such as Born to Kill or I am Agent 47. And as Sicario was deciding to take early retirement before his luck ran out, his book would be the perfect mystery cash cow to keep him in the lifestyle he damn well deserved to be living. Sicario did not look like a killer, which helped. He had a beard for starters. Contract killers do not have beards, everyone knew that. He was also funny, with an ability to skewer the establishment with well-contrived observational remarks. Every single council representative had been given a description, cruel but at the same time accurately defining them. In the past, this had made it extremely easy to gain access to parties and occasions where someone's life had been given an arbitrary price which Sicario was collecting on. Sicario picked up a tablet and flicked through the images and information on Monsoon Jackson, which had arrived via encrypted mail. Ex-police, ex-detective, ex-lover. No wonder she wants him dead. A fallen angel, soon to be locked up where angels fear to tread. Sicario ran through the dispatch request and smiled. I see Elijah Tours is not without a sense of humour, and fate, it seems, is not without a sense of irony. One of the reasons for Sicario's success was his tolerance to the moleskin drug cocktail, the ability to change identity at will. He could only hold the image for a short while as his body rapidly processed the poison, but it was usually enough to get the job done, except for now, when stocks were out. Lucky then, the owner of the largest remaining stockpile of moleskins had just hired him. Sicario had been one of the more successful experiments born out of a clone race struggle that nobody now remembered the point of. A biomechanical organ was surgically added where his gallbladder once was. It was able to store the moleskin, transport it around his body, and process it before it killed him. No one else knew he had this. Those who did, who'd surgically implanted it, had all burned inside the laboratory from which emerged a sole survivor. The assumption was made that the experiment, whatever it had been, was a complete failure. The laboratory was razed to the ground and a new one built on top. This one was looking into the ability to survive in open space. Of course that was impossible, but the funding would keep the boffins in champagne and sex workers for years before the council questioned their research. He pressed the hidden panel and a fire pit opened up in the middle of the room. An intense flame began to heat the surface. Sicario lightly armed himself and left the apartment. Sicario walked against the walls and in the shadows as he moved to his next destination. He developed a way to move like a fluid, in such a way that no one noticed him. Sicario moved down the busy street, weaving between the swarm of commuters desperately trying to get to work, to spend eight precious hours of their life doing something they despised for a payment that ensured the remaining hours in the day were frugal and disappointing. It was, quite frankly, a miracle that so many people put up with it, but they did. Every generation. They did. Which was a relief to the wealthy. He arrived at a building that could either be a library or a strip joint. 
These days, signs and symbols were so random that you could be forgiven for entering a pole dancing club while trying to return one of the precious paper books that were just about still in one piece. You may even be forgiven the second time. The third time would raise eyebrows. He entered the building, slipped down a corridor, and into the darkness beyond. There was a single door which he went through and sat himself down in a battered though still comfortable Chesterfield. The whole room was a trip through history with books, physical computers, and VR equipment crammed into every space. There was even a Lego spaceship, still boxed, entitled Galaxy Explorer, which Sicario secretly coveted. But he was mindful this office was protected by a number of less-than-merciful weapons, should his fingers stray. The screen in front of him flickered on, and three dots appeared. It was ready for him. It was not unusual for the record keeper to be absent. Sicario assumed, incorrectly, it was because they were off fact-finding, buying new information, obtaining someone's entire life for sale later. What have you got on Monsoon Jackson? There were four searches returned with that name. Sicario selected the face he'd been given. There was a brief pause before a choice of packages came back the cheapest being pointless and the most expensive being utterly unnecessary. As always, he selected the mid-range package and made payment using burn tokens. Then he sat back and watched as the display provided him with Monsoon's background from childhood to now. Every so often, an icon would appear suggesting he upgrade to the premium package, which he ignored. And every so often... The data stream would halt for 10 seconds, while a completely unrelated advert about something you could not care less about played. This would also offer the ad-free premium package icon. Sicario longed for the days he'd read about, when you could just enjoy the moment without upsell. The information was taken from a variety of sources ranging from trusted to gossip. An icon made clear the value of the data. As an ex-officer, much of the information came from disgruntled criminals who took exception to being caught, and informants playing both sides. But, in amongst this, there were details from a few sources Sicario was surprised to see. They had a low reliability rating, but nonetheless gave him some potential advantages he could make use of. It was disappointing how often people you trusted sold you out, and bizarrely, rarely for payment more because their life was vacuous and they had to fill the void talking about others on social media. Others who had lives, who had achieved or were achieving something. I see you've created a book, film, show, song, food, clothing, and I want to say something cruel about it. After all, it was easy to avoid being criticized when you'd achieved nothing worth anything in your pathetic excuse for a life. The information stream stopped. He'd reached his credit limit. Would he be interested in the premium package? Sicario stood up and exited the room. He stood for a while as if sniffing the air. When he was satisfied, he made a call. I have what I need. I assume my rates are in agreement. It was always worth double-checking payment. Misunderstandings were a bane and meant unpaid killing. At the other end of the line... Through a complicated series of encrypted relays was Elijah. When it came to final conversations, she liked to take the call. You will be fully compensated, but do as I ask, and only as I ask. 
Understood? Understood. Sicario ended the call, then dialed a new number. The 140-character-long numbers were necessary due to interplanetary communication, and finally put pay to people who would proudly announce they knew all their friends' numbers by heart and didn't need a contacts list. No one liked those people anyway, so it was a win-win. The number rang exactly eight times before it was answered. Get me Carla Angelos. For a moment, the line went dead. Then it intermittently beeped. Then it intermittently beeped while explaining your call was important. Then it intermittently beeped while explaining your call was important, while informing you that a lot of information was not the reason you decided to call was available on the internet. Then it apologized for the delay, but that you really were so very important. So important that they would not pay for enough staff to be available to answer the actual calls because, well, you should be doing all the work yourself on the internet. It wasn't as if you were paying them for a service that involved actual service. Finally, Carla picked up. Hello? Carla, it's Sicario. You asked me to call you if this happened. Contract on Monsoon? Yes, and a large fee, though the completion details are unusual. What like? Sicario stayed silent. Fair enough. Thank you for letting me know. I can't give you long. Do what you need to do. There was a brief pause before Carla responded. Go forward. That is where you need to be. The call ended and Sicario briefly smiled. His last remaining family and it had to be an older sister. Not that anyone knew. That's how you kept people alive in this line of work. Sicario wrapped up the phone. It was no longer of use and destined for the fire pit. Zicario fluidly made his way back to the flat, yet despite all his years of experience and natural skill, something was troubling him. He never trusted clients, but he really didn't trust Elijah. He used various patterns and pathways to make his way home, but remained uncomfortable. Eventually he abandoned the surface and went into the transit tunnels. The sounds of millions of brown parcels rushing past was overwhelming. Some smashed into each other, causing damage. Others were covered in dirt. But that was the risk you took with second-class mail. The presence of a human wasn't helping either, but despite this, Sicario made his way through the tunnels, even helping himself to a few packages on the way. You never knew what might be inside. Sicario opened the parcels to be met with a disappointing selection of cheap torches, charges, fairy lights and earphones. Nothing that anyone could possibly want, but it was cheap and therefore a bargain. I mean, not as much of a bargain as keeping the money, but a bargain nonetheless. There was still room in a few drawers to put this stuff away to definitely use at a later date and not forget about and buy another one when it was in another time-limited sale. Sicario left the tunnels, worked his way up through to a grate hidden in the building's basement, and made his way back to his apartment. Or at least one of his apartments. Important to keep moving in his trade. Sicario made final preparations. A range of tools and weapons were carefully packed into their correct place on the harness. A number of electronic devices were tested as working before being put into an expensive luggage case. 
All this was futile given that Sicario checked his equipment on a daily basis. But it was always done. It was ritual. It was part of starting the job. You didn't get to be alive after eight years in the business without being prepared. The fire pit was glowing white. He touched the control panel which announced the temperature was at a steady 5,600 degrees Celsius. He dropped the shoes he'd worn into the center and watched as they evaporated in the haze. Then the phone. Then the tablet. Zaccario committed some key information to memory by pressing a small hidden indent on the side of his head, then deleted the files on the encrypted messaging system and threw the console into the fire. Then he replaced it with a new, clean one. He was always that careful. Zaccario briefly looked into the only mirror in the room and smiled curtly to himself. Welcome to the desert of the real. With my thanks. This episode was voiced by Adam Roach as the narrator and the voice of Monsoon Jackson, with Heather Dent Cowan as the voice of the adverts. Additional voices... Suze Kemner as Elijah, Tian Ndiyab as Sicario, Provinci York as Carla, and Dirk Mags as Donald. Written and edited by Andy Case and Lightmotif Productions Limited, copyright 2020.